What happens when we push back against childhood gender transitioning? Pamela Garfield Yeager is well acquainted with the consequences. Today, we're back with part two of our conversation with Pamela, and we're diving into why Pamela was fired from her therapy job, how to vet a therapist for your child, how to speak up about what's happening in the mental health industry, and more. How do parents find a good therapist today if they need extra help? Yeah, the question of the year, right? <laughs> um, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of vetting, I got to be honest. Um, and that is why I, that is the, one of the reasons I wrote this guide was to give parents, I actually wrote out a list of questions to ask to screen for a good therapist. And it's not just about this trans thing or about a specific topic, but just just asking them how they work and what, what their training is and what their ideology is, how they, what, how they do therapy. Mm -hmm. And they should be able to answer these kinds of questions because if they just answer these questions with these sort of social justice answers and say there's systemic something, yeah. <laughs> then that's, that's not going to be appropriate therapy. So um, it's going it, to, what's challenging is I actually get a lot of parents who, message me and say, I need to find a therapist. Either they ask me and I'm usually not in the same state. And I, I don't believe in remote therapy. I actually yeah. just wrote a Substack on that this morning, especially for kids. I don't think remote therapy is effective. And then also they're looking for me to give them a name. And of course I can't give them a name of some random city they live in some other state in the country. I just, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, there is, there is a directory for those who are conservative, but conservative therapists, I think it's called conservativetherapist.com mm -hmm. and it's growing, but the list is unfortunately fairly slim. Okay. And there are, there are some agencies out there specific for this gender critical, which I could, I could list some of them for you to list after one of them is called Genspect. Um, one of them is called partners for ethical care. Um, there's a, several others and they, they have kind of underground lists of therapists, but really what, there, it's going to be difficult. And, but what you got to do is just start making phone calls and start asking direct questions. If they ask you for your pronouns, you know, X, no, if they, if they have something about social justice or racial disparities or something like that, X, no, I mean, you want them to look at you as an individual, not by the color of your skin. So it's, it's, it's taxing to find, and then you might find someone you like, and then you, then part of my curriculum is actually to, how do you stay involved? How do you know they're still doing appropriate things, yeah. right? Yeah. So making sure that you're involved, making sure that they don't shut you out, that they're not keeping secrets, important secrets from you. Um, and to understand that, of course, especially if they're working with a teenager, they're not gonna tell you the parent every single thing your child says, that's not appropriate because then how is the child gonna trust you? Yeah. But at the same time, not to keep important secrets and not, for example, the gender, but other things too. And especially anything that has to do with safety or if they make any kind of empty threats and say, your kid's going to kill yourself to kill themselves. If they, if you change therapists, I actually talked to a parent who said their child's therapist said this to them and I encouraged them to switch anyway, but these are things that are not therapeutic. This is very inappropriate. Right. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of ruling out all of this stuff, but there are good therapists out there. there. There are plenty of them. They're just, unfortunately, they have to be relatively quiet to stay in practice, to keep their licenses, especially in 
in the state of California where I live and other states where there are actually laws that are stopping them from being open about some of these things we were just talking about. They're, they'll be considered conversion therapists if they ask questions about their gender and don't immediately affirm, for example. Yeah. So they have to they have to be quiet. They can't advertise. But there are a lot of ethical therapists out there. You just have to do the work and find them, unfortunately. It's a shame that we've gotten to this place. Um, but I appreciate the work you're doing to just uh, try to help parents navigate through these things. So basically what what I'm understanding is from hearing you uh, is when you came back into the into this working space and you saw all these changes that were going on, uh, you felt that one of the ways that you could bring value was to actually start writing things and actually doing papers and courses to help uh, equip parents and other leaders uh, what, on what's going on in these issues uh, and how they can make uh, good decisions, how they can think through the issue and take appropriate actions. Is that correct? That's correct. And and to be completely transparent, so what happened was I came back from a severe nerve damage injury that I had. And so I chose not to get the COVID vaccine. And I live in California and I was a healthcare worker. So they they took me out of my job. Mm -hmm. So what, what that did was that emboldened me to really just start speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's what led me to this. I realized I felt like they knocked me into this path by doing that, by saying, because they, they took, I was working with teens. I was doing group therapy with teens with mental health issues. I was also working with adults, but mostly the teens. Mm -hmm. And when they told me I couldn't come back to work because I didn't get that vaccine, um, I was devastated and I felt really displaced once again after being on disability. And then I realized that this was my place. I kind of felt like I had this calling mm -hmm. to be one of the few, there's just very few people that are able to be outspoken about this because of their situation. I mean, I know a lot of people criticize people and will call them cowards for not being outspoken, but that means then they can no longer serve their patients. So it's, it's a trade-off, right? Yeah. You want the ethical people to still be on the inside to be able to serve patients and maybe change some minds from the inside. Mm -hmm. So I wish I could still do that, but I can't anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the outside, kind of trying to influence people on the inside yeah. to to talk to people and, and make some changes that way. So um, before we go to pick up some of your places where people can learn more about you. Uh, have, so we work a lot with teachers and school board members and so forth. What can people like that who are in education system do? I think, so it depends on who you are and your temperament and the position you're in. I mean, I, the, I, ideally you can really speak out, you can join school, school boards, you can really become an activist and, and fight against this full, full blown, right? Mm -hmm. But not everyone could do that. And I don't know if that, if it, I think it's actually, there's a place for some people to do it more quietly, we kind of need like quiet insiders mm -hmm. because um, while people are like, well, don't worry about being canceled. Don't worry about being comfortable and all that. Well, unfortunately, there's a whole slew of new social workers being trained every day and graduating that can just replace us all yeah. and, and be in those institutions. So 
to be inside the institution and quietly find other like-minded people to gather and and to fight against this, I think is actually really valuable. And to be, be able to change minds face-to-face, day-to-day with people that you trust and people that you could talk to, talk to your supervisor, point out some of the really ludicrous discrepancies that are happening and point out some of the new articles that are coming out. I mean, it's not even that new, but that the FDA actually came out with a warning on those puberty blockers. Just like, but to quietly bring up some of these issues, I think is really valuable. Face-to-face, I think is really valuable. I'm online, I'm doing these podcasts, I'm doing this, but I think think face-to-face is actually really, probably even more effective if more people are talking about these things just individually, one-on-one, I think that will go a long way. Mm-hmm. And talking to your friends, talking to your family, showing them a documentary that you that spoke to you and not not being afraid to talk to people that, um, that will listen. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the resources that you have available. Where can people find those? So I have a website. It's called thetruthfultherapist.com. And that's where all those courses are. It's $5 a month. I've written 10 so far, and I have one more coming very soon. It's actually going to be on social media and the impact of social media and what parents can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I have lots more topics lined up. I want to write about uh, substance abuse, which is another hot topic that isn't talked about enough and how, in a way, it's being enabled in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the truthful therapist.org. I'm on Instagram as the dot truthful therapist or at the dot truthful therapist. I'm on Twitter as at red pilled LCSW. I've also been writing some articles on Substack, which is Pam, the truthful therapist so that you can get valuable information there too. Super. Well, we'll uh, make sure those things are added to the notes uh, with this podcast for those that um, maybe are having difficulty picking them up because of maybe they're driving or something right now. Um, but we'll we'll have those added. Um, and then there was a documentary that you just uh, were part of, oh, yeah. uh, Disconnected, the real story behind transgender explosion. Um, for those who are interested in seeing that, where can they find that? Yeah, I believe the website is disconnectedmovie.com. Uh, the filmmaker, his name is Don Johnson, and his company is Don, Don Johnson Media, I believe. And his, his general website is runawayplanetpictures.com. So you can find it some in some of those ways. I think Disconnected Movie. Oh, and it's spelled with a Y. So D-Y. S-C-O-N-N. I don't know. I'm not even spelling me disconnected with a Y. Um, with a y because okay. instead of an I, it's sort of a play on dysphoria and disconnected. Okay. Um, and it, 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 it interviews me. It, it really highlights this beautiful story of a detransitioner. And for those that don't know, the detransitioner is somebody who once identified as trans and now no longer identifies as trans and identifies as their natal sex. This woman, it's a beautiful story. I don't want to give it away, but it has a really hopeful ending. Her name is Daisy. I actually got to meet her in October at a rally and was able to hang out with her. And her story is beautiful. 
Um, and it interviews all kinds of people, doctors, me, a therapist, and um, some people who've been doing a lot of advocacy, advocacy work on this. And um, some religious leaders are in it too. So it's, it's a great film. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, maybe we'll kind of wrap up on this. Um, right now, we hear so much promoting uh, this whole change of a transition into something that people are not biologically born. Uh, and that's being advocated in such a significant way all through the culture and the media and movies and, and in education and every way. What we're not seeing is the stories, and a few of them are getting out, uh, but there's a massive number of people who have gone through this uh, now maybe a few years in, and their lives have been destroyed, and now they're trying to work their way back out. And just, you know, significant stories that, you know, I think here's the reality. People need to know the truth. And, you know, before anybody, before any child, especially, or any parent signs off on any kind of transgender therapy work, um, they need to do equal amount of research into the stories of people who did transition and, you know, where are they today? Uh, I mean, we know that the suicide rate is incredibly high in that population. Um, people that have discovered that that really wasn't their solution. And now they're trying to find themselves again in a whole new way. Uh, as they're trying to deal with the real root causes of what led them down that path in the first place. And so I think, um, look, these are challenging days that we live in, but there's some tremendous opportunity. And one of those things is we can talk about these things. We can, there's a lot of research and data available. People need to prepare themselves. They need to, to equip themselves thoroughly so that they can not only make good decisions for themselves, but for their children and, and so forth. So, um, Pam, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, we wish you all the best. If you enjoyed today's episode of The State of Education with Melvin Adams, please subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We're able to continue sharing these podcasts because of the generous support of our donors. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, visit our website at www.nwef.org.